So here we are. The entire climax of the Bible has finally come. Death is dead. Love is one. Christ has risen from the dead. I'm sure we all have our own ways of physically and emotionally representing this moment in the Easter story. Personally, I like to think back to a musical I did about six years ago called Godspell. Now, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a Broadway musical composed by Stephen Schwartz, same guy who did Wicked, about Jesus' ministry as told through the parables he taught. At the end of the musical, um, Jesus is crucified and is dying while his disciples mourn his loss. Slowly, however, the disciples begin singing melodies from the show until they all enthusiastically sing John the Baptist's song, Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord. The audio clip is a bit too large to play for chapel, but I literally love the show and I highly recommend all of you listen to it at least once. That said, there are two things Godspell's Easter story kind of misses out on. First, it doesn't really mention the resurrection, at least lyrically. Uh, in most performances, uh, the actor playing Jesus will typically come out and just show that, yes, he is alive before the end of the show. Two, it doesn't really mention the past 40 days after Jesus resurrected. In a sense, it goes straight from the crucifixion to Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Do you ever feel yourself sometimes making that same jump from crucifixion or resurrection to ascension? From he is risen indeed, alleluia, to prepare ye the way? Often, when we think about Jesus' life, or physical life on earth, we like to think about the first 33 years he spent here, or really the three years before the Passion, rather than the 40 days after the Passion. Being just after Easter, I thought it would be appropriate to take some time to look at one of these post-Passion stories that God gives us in the Bible, namely, the road to Emmaus. Technically, yes, this does take place on Easter around midday, and for some of you, that makes it an Easter story, and more power to you. But for the sake of the argument and this devotion, we're going to pretend like it's a post-passion story. I'm sure most of us have heard this story before. Uh, there's two followers going from Jerusalem to Emmaus when Jesus, uh, hiding his identity, joins along with them and talks about the Old Testament scriptures and everything that's happened in Jerusalem over the past few days, otherwise known as the Easter story. When they reach Emmaus, the two followers invite Jesus into their home for dinner, where he gives thanks, breaks the bread, they realize who they're talking to, but before they can do anything, Jesus disappears. For those who know the story particularly well, you'll know that the two followers actually got up and went straight back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what had happened. Now, obviously, this is one of the many stories in the Bible where Jesus shows that, yes, he is still alive after the resurrection and that not even death can separate us from the love of God. But our God is a clever God. 
And between the accounts of the woman at the tomb, Mary Magdalene, and Peter and John, it makes you wonder, why this story? These words? Why did God lead the men and women who compiled and put together the Bible to include these few verses from Matthew 20, or not Matthew, sorry, Luke 24? In particular, I'd like to look at three verses. Verses 25 and 26, and verses 32. In the first two verses, um, Jesus asks the followers, you know, what's happened? And they essentially tell him, well, we thought Jesus was the Christ, but then he died, and then his body went missing, and we're not sure. Causing Jesus to respond, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Later on, after Jesus disappears, the two followers say to one another, were not our hearts burning with all within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The first of these two extra reasons God gives us this story is fairly evident in the first two verses. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? Only a few hours ago, Jesus, Jesus gave us the best evidence that our salvation is sure by resurrecting. And these two followers have the nerve to say, we don't know. As strangers here on earth, we have two motives. We have the motive to realize that we are sinful and that Christ accepted us primarily, and to know and to spread that word to everyone we know. And right here, Jesus is telling those followers that first motive, you have what you need to be saved. You have the Old Testament scriptures, you have the past 30 years of your lives, or really just the past three days, or for us, the New Testament. You have what you need to know that God's Son has made you free. The second reason is a little more subtle. We're not our hearts burning within us. Heartburn? Possibly. Though, I doubt the followers stopped to eat dinner before they went back to Jerusalem. No, no, no. The burning of the Spirit for the flesh is weak and a slave to sin, but the spirit is willing, is yearning, is burning for the word of truth, the voice of truth. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, God tells the Israelites to impress his word on their children, to make it a conversation throughout their day, to tie these verses to their hands and foreheads, because he wanted his people prepared for when the Messiah came. And now that he's come and conquered sin, death, and the devil, God still tells his followers to go back to his word because of Luke 24, verse 32. For man does not survive on bread alone, but every word that God utters. The Bible isn't just a book that we read once and then put back on the shelf after we've affirmed our faith. It's a lifestyle, 
our spiritual sustenance, a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. It's what we put in our hands. It's what we keep in our hearts and our minds. It's what we talk about throughout the day. It's what we spread to everyone we know. That second bonus motive for us Christians here still living. So why the road to Emmaus' story, 2,000 years after the fact? It's because right after Christ resurrected from the tomb, he wanted us to know that we have what we need and to never stop reading it. For God's word is our mirror, our sword and shield, our delight and our reward, our great heritage. You see, sorry, I forgot my line. You see, only in the Bible do we know that we are sinful, that we need a Savior, that a Savior has come, he's accepted us as our own, that on six days ago, he died on the cross for our sins, three days ago, he resurrected to assure us of our beliefs, he gave us the Bible to know, grow, and be saved in this knowledge, and to finally, to go and make disciples of all nations. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. After I was done with my production of Godspell, I joined my high school's church choir, where before every practice, we did a five-minute devotion. Granted, they were nothing grand and often ripped straight off of Bible Gateway. But the point wasn't the quality of the devotion. The point was, we weren't just proclaiming God's word to others, but we were taking the time to read it ourselves. For God encourages us not to only use his word to bring about faith, but to sustain it, to feed it, to nourish it throughout our lives. Therefore, let us find that time in our lives to read God's word. Whether it's going or watching church each Sunday, reading the occasional five-minute devotion, or writing a Wednesday night worship sermon. Let's find that time to go back to God's word and use it not only to spark that light within us, but to keep it shining until our faith is turned to sight. May your eyes be open to the scriptures, your hearts burn within you, and God be with you evermore. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for not only dying on a cross for our sins, but also for resurrecting from the grave to prove that not even death itself can separate us from your love. We also thank you for your word, not only to bring about faith, but to continually sustain our faith throughout our lives. May you give us the hope of your salvation each day and to give us strength to journey on through our lives till our faith is turned to sight. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen.